Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Drink it in, man. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! <laughs> Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on, everybody? We are back. And I got Griff on the other line. Griff, what's going on, man? Hey, man, I'm still reeling from the game Monday night. How are you feeling today? Griff, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Like, we got down for our tailgate at, like, 9 a.m. for a Monday night game that kicked off at 7. We got our tent set up. We got the Detroit Kool-Aid banners up. We got the grill going. I mean, we were just uh, rocking some music. Uh, just having a blast at our tailgate and everybody that swung by and said hello. We want to thank everybody that came by and said hey and that uh, you know got to hand out some of our promo materials. That was super fun. And Griff, could we get inside? I mean, we're, we're going nuts inside Ford Field. We're walking around. We go down the front row. The legend that is Barry Sanders not only walks right by where we're at, but you happen to be right number 20. And he gives you a shout out and kind of like see you and gives you some uh, dab for rocking his jersey. I mean, probably because he made a little coin off that when you when you bought that at whatever store you did. But um, number twenty Barry was in the house, and then we get up to our seats, Rivka, and that ball gets kicked off, and Sam Darnold on the first pass throws out to the left. It's picked by Quandre, and he goes to the house. And then the rest of the game happened. Yeah, and all that stuff, all so. that stuff that you just talked about was awesome. It really was. The tailgate was a lot of fun. Seeing all those people, you know, cooking up some dogs for some people that came by. Yeah, getting in the stadium, walking around, seeing Barry point at us. You know, all of that. The kickoff, the pick six, everything. But I'm reeling from what happened after that. So that that's where <laughs> I'm stuck. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. On the Kool-Aid cast today, we're going to just skip by some of the, the intro news and notes. we got to get right into this game, Grifka. And uh, like I say, uh, that they couldn't, Ford Field could not have been hyper after that, that first throw by Sam Darnold right to Quandre, and he takes it to the house. I've never heard it so loud. And uh, But, man, um, this is going to be one of the harder – it's our first – podcast into the regular season it's going to be probably hopefully our hardest one to get through based on how the rest of that game went but let's uh let's kind of work our way through it we kind of introed the people and got it going there but let's tee up a few things kind of um from start to finish work our way through this game and obviously get the the kool-aid drinkers out there kind of a feel for all the different things we saw and why we think it went the way we went and what we're thinking in the future so so griff let's let's kind of start right as we got in there and uh they dropped the inactives on the uh on the screen for week one i mean we had some pretty prominent names on there amir abdullah a sean 
and then Aquara, the new guy we brought in, which he didn't surprise me that much because he's so new. He's still got to kind of get everything in and get going. But Amir and Aishan, what did you think about seeing them not even dress for this football game? Uh, Amir, not so much. I wasn't too surprised. It always seemed like he was fourth on the depth chart there. Um, I'd always thought they'd roll with the first three, you know, Blunt, Johnson, and Riddick. Um, but Aishan really surprised me uh, here and everything that, uh, you know, he had fallen down the depth chart, but the guy was, you know, was starting last year. And I realized the fourth preseason game, he was playing into the fourth quarter. But it's one of those things just like, gosh, I was so surprised that they, they left him inactive, you know. I mean, so that one was more surprising than Amir. Like you said, Okarwar, however you pronounce his name. Like you said, he's still pretty new. So, you know, I'm not too surprised by that one. But, yeah, Aishan, I, you know, obviously maybe they could have used him. I don't know. But um, the Aishan Robinson one was the biggest one to me. How would uh, you feel about him? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I don't know what Aishan is. I've said it multiple times. Um, he is trending downward fast, and it just doesn't seem like he doesn't run the rush the passer that well. He's not dynamic as a run stuffer, um, and he just doesn't seem to fit this defense. So, I mean, I can't say I was too surprised, but I'm disappointed just because it's another high draft resource. I mean, again, we, we talked in passing about all these second rounders that have never worked out, and I hate to add him to the list. And then you say you're not uh, surprised by Amir Abdullah. I mean, he's a He's a top 30, top 40 pick, and you know, overall, and a high second-round pick that you know you and everybody else is so down on. He just hasn't produced, but that's another miss. So I, I thought we'd be able to not only see him, at least in the special team side, which, again, doesn't impact the game as much now in the NFL, but I thought they'd carve out a role for him. I thought at least he's an extra body in case somebody goes down, which we'll talk about later. We did have some injuries and. Um, an injury at the running back position that did impact, you know, the game or kind of have some issues there. So, you know, I want to find a way to get him suited up. I mean, I just know that there's lots of other factors that go into play. So, uh, you know, to me, that was just not so much like, oh, man, we're not going to be able to win without those two guys, but just another, wow, you know, we really got to start hitting on these drafts. We can't be, you know, ruining second, third rounders with Bob Quinn like we were with the previous regime. So that that was my take on it. I mean, once I saw those, it was kind of like, okay, you know, we still got players, so let's get into this ball game. Uh, like I said, the crowd was hyped. Everybody was ready to get some football going. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts, Grifka? We already said the place is crazy after the touchdown. When Quandre House was that one and Sam Darnold looks like he didn't have a clue by throwing a lollipop across the field which you never do, not even in Pop Warner. I mean, what did you think after that game? Where did you think we were headed? And were you just thinking, oh, man, we're going to eat this guy up? Thinking about this after the game, I can only think of one thing that came to my mind from the whole game. That game was very Marty Marty Morningwig-esque. I remember Marty Morningwig's first game. I remember actually sitting down reading in the newspaper, the USA Today, and uh, Marty Morningwing opened up against the Packers. And um, I remember that the USA Today calling it a four-star game. It was supposed to be like, you know, the new Lions team. They were so close to the playoffs the year before. You know, this was going to be, you know, it would have been a tough game. They were playing the Packers. The Packers had their usual suspects. But, um, you know, it was one of those things, the new offense, West Coast offense was supposed to come in. And 
Marty Morningwing came in and came in there and the Packers throttled them 28 to six. I mean, the game was over by halftime. So it kind of got that feeling, you know, in the second half of this game when the Jets really started to run off. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. You know, is this is going to be another one of those things where we're so close to the year before, new guy comes in, you know, changes a few things or changes a lot of things, I guess. And it turns out to be another another bad year that way. But um, like you said, the opening pick was great. And then, yeah, I, I, I'm not for sure. You know, you're hearing, hearing some different things. Um I'm just going to start with the defense as the biggest disappointment. I know we had talked about this on a previous podcast um, about not being for sure if the defense is going to show up like we thought, you know, being Matt Pat supposed to be a defensive guru, you know, supposed to be, you know, rookie quarterback making things tough on him. But um, there were points, man. It just seemed like the Jets just marched down the field. Yeah, there were a few penalties here and there, but it seemed like once again, there's points where the Jets got the edge where they, whenever they wanted it. Um, they left, was it um, Quincy and Nunwa just kind of running around? You know, he was open so much. I mean, the defense itself really, really let me down, um, thinking that, you know, they'd be able to at least shut a rookie quarterback down, at least change him up. But that first pass they got in his head, then after that he was, what, like I think 16 of 20 or 16 of 21 the rest of the game. Um, so the defense is what really, really bugged me. Um I don't know. What do you think about how the defense played there, Derek? Grifka, I'm just going to turn it back. I mean, when 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 Diggs gets that one in the end zone, I think this is just, you know, pack it up, pack it in. This this game's over. Like, there's no way that we don't just keep keep hustling on defense and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I went back and the condensed version of the game. I mean, we score that touchdown and. Coming back out, they did get another stop. The offense just couldn't get going to put another one on them at that point, and that's when the Jets came back and got another touchdown. So early on in the game, you know, I I didn't have too much of an issue with what I was seeing from the defense. I mean, they gave up some plays here or there, but, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves in the game. But, I mean, it was 17-10 at half, and it was 17-7 early in the third. So it really didn't get out of hand or get crazy till later. So, you know, overall with the defense, when you really look at it, I mean, yeah, second half, late in the third quarter, they gave up a lot of scores, and we gave up some special teams that I hated. But in the beginning, you know, no big issues. I mean, I guess what I want to talk about more than anything, you hit on him, uh, is Matt Stafford. I mean, to me, not only was this – probably the worst game I can remember all the way back to his rookie year where he had some great games, but he had some really terrible games in regards to interceptions and whatnot. Like I went back and uh, I, I just don't understand the throws. Like there was one that I'll give him a pass on, which was like, he was trying to throw it to an area and his, I think it was TJ Jones got just destroyed heading to that area. He just got knocked right off his route. Almost. I think he fell down or, and and that seemed to happen early enough in the route where Stafford should have seen it. But, I mean, I just don't get the other throws. I don't get the, uh, you know, he had a few nice plays here or there. But, I mean, overall, I guess he said in the locker room, hey, this one's on me. And part of me thinks it comes down to that. I mean, there's a lot of other talk going on. I'm trying to bottle it up, Griff could not blow a gasket right now. But there's a lot of other talk going on about the coach, about this, that, and the other. Like, to me – Matt Stafford lost his football game, and, you know, yeah, we got to tighten it up on defense and special teams, but 
you're getting those short fields and you're getting deflated with just these terrible picks that are almost like un, you know, unwarranted, unforced by the other other team. I think that's that's something that just totally killed killed the team in this game. Yeah, I would agree with you on the offense. Um, some of those picks just left us scratching our head, like the one he underthrew to Jones on the sideline that Claiborne, you know, Claiborne made a play, so you can't really take that away from him. But like me and you had discussed at the game, if he throws that five yards farther downfield, Marvin Jones runs under and he houses it. Um, but some of those other ones, you know, he, either he didn't see the guys or he was trying to force it into a tight window. Like you said, there's just a lot of a lot of talk going around. Jets said they were calling. A, they knew the plays before it happened, and it was really predictable. I mean, they, I guess they wouldn't go so far to say it was predictable, but if reading between the lines what they're saying, it's like, yeah, they said they knew what was coming. They knew all the hand signals. They pretty much knew where to stand. So that um, first pick by Darren Lee, that there was just a little arrow route by Riddick, and he just watched it and just stepped right in front of it. Um, yeah, we, we we know that one. Uh, the other one, like, it had to be that one pick during the second pick where, I mean, we counted it. There was four Jets standing around the guy Stafford was trying to throw the ball to. You're right. It's plays like that where Stafford needs to check off, and, like, there's obviously somebody open. But another thing, I know on the ride home we were listening to the post game, and Lomas Brown was talking about how he thought the offensive line didn't play all that bad. You know, when he gave, like, you know, was it like the sack numbers and – but I, I think some of that's a little misleading. I mean, me and you both kind of agree that the offensive line wasn't that great. They were still missing some stunts. Um, There's still points where, like, pressure was, like, right in Stafford's face and his quick release just got rid of the ball before he got sacked. I mean, I thought the offensive line wasn't that, you know, didn't play that well at all. There was that one screen play where I believe, I, I think it was Lang that was supposed to go out and make the block, and, by the time he got out there, the guy he was supposed to block was already by him, tackling Riddick. You know, so he's like he he almost went over to give him like the token, you know, try to block by. But at that point, the guy's already by him. It's just, hey I Griffin, just hold, hold on a second. That well, hold yeah. on right there because I we got to hit on that because I like I said. I, so when I was sitting there by, you heard me say like there was at least two to three times where I saw TJ Lang with his helmet off, like walking either from the field to the sideline or from the sideline to the huddle. And the guy looked like he could not move, right? And so kind of know something's wrong with him at that point. When I watched the tape back, you hit it on a great point, and you you know just called this from watching it yourself, is uh, on that screenplay, it's perfectly set up. Like, there's room. We got three blockers. We got uh, – you know, happy rag now day out there. We got uh, TJ and I think even Ricky Wagner or Glasgow were over there. And uh, everybody else has their block. And TJ Lang is just fighting to get over there. But he has he has no bend. Like the guy, he tried to almost like just push him, but he was a little bit late and couldn't move. And, and that little of a play, blew that whole play up for Theo. Who knows where he goes if, if – TJ's able to get that block. Um, so I agree with you in a way that the offensive line can be better picking up things or health-wise. I mean, if you're not right, this is why we got to have that depth where we can have somebody come in that can make that play and that is healthy enough. And, I mean, I might get into it later, but to me, I'm really starting to sour on TJ Lang that he just can't stay healthy. 
a complete miss where I thought, wow, what a great guy. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just not coming together for him, which again, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I did just want to hit on that because that one little block makes all the difference in the world in a game. And there's lots of little plays like that that we can hit on. So I, the other thing I don't agree on on the offensive line is I feel like Matt Stafford um, still does not understand that when a play does break down, there's lots of good quarterbacks. And when the play breaks down, you shift to your left, to your right, back, and you either burn the ball, throw it at someone's feet, you could throw it out of bounds. You, you know, what has he done when we've done well? He gets his, he uses his feet, runs for a few yards, and gets down. Like, I'm so sick of this guy like panicking once he gets pressure, rolling out, and then sometimes he cannot feel the pressure. What's he doing loading up, trying to launch the ball down the field with a guy right on him, two guys bearing down on him. He gets blown up, almost rips his shoulder, his elbow off or whatever. Like to me, he's got to have better presence than that by now, and he's got to understand that, you know, remember when Peyton Manning would just faint and just go down? Like, it looked so bad, but it was so smart, right? He didn't take any hits. He just, when it was, the play was over, he just crumpled in the pocket and give up a sack every now and again. Like, number nine's got to be smarter because I've always said for years, he needs to, like, learn from a stuntman because he's the worst when it comes to falling. Every time he falls down, it's just a car crash. You don't know what's going to be hurt, but he, he cannot fall to the ground without looking like he's dead, so... I don't know. I thought the offensive line was okay, but they can be better. But Matt Stafford and his pocket presence as a QB has got to be way better. Yeah. Like I said, there were just points where that offensive line, they didn't do him any favors. I mean, people want to say, like, well, what was the running game? Stick with the running game. You know, especially on that third and one where he threw the pick on the arrow route to Riddick. But let's face it, that first run play of the game, LeGarrette Blunt's getting the handoff, and there's three Jets defenders in his face already. I mean, that was a seven-yard loss. So, and I just, I, the offensive line, I mean, for as much as they've invested in it, it just doesn't seem to be developing into anything that's remotely on the good side. I mean, it seems like there's just guys out there. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they were pretty disappointing to me. And yeah, I know Stafford threw some bad picks, but there were some plays where we're just like sitting there thinking, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, because there are people just barreling down on him. And you're right. Maybe it's one of those things where Stafford does, you know, needs to like learn how to fall a little better, you know, so he doesn't like look like he's just getting, you know, manhandled. But I, I mean, some that offensive line just needs to be a lot better than what it what it actually is at this point. Yeah. Well, let's let's do this. I mean, we talked enough doom and gloom. I mean, out here. I mean. We all know, all the Lions fans know, they were pretty disappointed. We heard that, you know, I mean, late in the game, me and you, me and you have never left a Lions game no matter what the score was. But even, I, I, turn, I remember turning to you with like three minutes left in the third quarter after the Jets scored the 31st, 31st point that quarter. I go, I'm ready to go. And we sat there until like what? We, we sat there until there was like five minutes left in the fourth. And then you go, let's get out of here. You know, and then as we were leaving, you know, Castle throws that pick and, Everybody, you hear the rest of the Jets fans just doing their Jets chant, but all everybody's seen that. All the, all the Lions fans seen that. Was, was there anything positive that you could take out of that game? Um, I, I know the Kool Aid drinkers and the people out there want me to say no, absolutely not. Um, but oh, of course, you know, like I, uh, you may take these as uh, as as being a Kool Aid drinker, but you know, I I wrote down a, a lot of positives. The first one I want to talk about. 
and and I wanted to hit you with this next was, uh, you know, again, I went back and I watched that game, Griff. I really wasn't that upset by the, what I saw in the first half. I mean, uh, the Jets made a couple plays. We were down seven going into the half. That happens a lot of times to a lot of good football teams. We came right out of the locker room and scored a touchdown, 17-17. And I think we even came back and either got a stop or maybe we did give up a, a touchdown, but then had another opportunity to just go get one ourselves. So, I mean, I take that as a positive that if you really look at the game, it's not like we got destroyed for four quarters. We didn't play very good ball in the first half, but we were not out of the game by any means. Third quarter before just the walls down and like play after play just kept falling on us, which me and you had a had a good chat about why that was or, or, or what's going on there. But, I mean, other positives I'll throw out there. I mean, I loved seeing – my guy, who I've been touting all preseason, all offseason, Kenny Galladay was out there a ton. He got over 100 yards. He went up and snatched the football in multiple um, you know, occasions. And I love seeing him out there on, out wide or in the slot or moved all around than stupid number 85, Eric Ebron. Like To me, he's faster. He's more athletic. He can jump higher. He can run. You know, he can house the ball from farther out. Like To me, that's a huge positive. Uh, carry on to me was a guy that when he was given the opportunities, he, he produced, he looked pretty good to me. There was only one play. I remember where he got blown up and there was just no blocking on the play. Every other time he's getting positive yards. He was making catches and getting up the field. So I liked that. I mean, uh, you know, the other one that's on top of my brain is a uh, canard to me. He, he made a few plays. He had a sack, um, looked good in the beginning. I mean, when him and Ziggy were out there, it was a nice pairing. And then, you know, Ziggy goes down and, and you know, Kennard's only one player on defense. But, I mean, those were a couple of bright spots for me. And, uh, you know, you can always take a positive out of a game. I mean, one thing I want to hit on, I want to get your positives from the game. But, uh, you know, one thing I think we talked about that I want to talk about with the people is like we were breaking down the roster and breaking down the game on the drive home. And, you know, one positive we kind of agreed on or that we were looking for with this team or, or who are the ball players, you know, who are the people that are going to, that are not only going to step up, that are going to be consistent and that are going to be kind of feared football players. So we had a hard time coming up with, you know, elite blue chip dogs and, or good players as we call them that are going to, you know, help take this team where we want to go. Talk to me a little bit about that and then give me some of your positives as well, Griff. Well, I'll start with my positives. Um, mine's, mine fall pretty much along the same lines as yours. I mean, Kenny G, I mean, he, I know last year's first game he had a good game, so hopefully, you know, this year doesn't go the same way where he gets injured and he's out for a while. But, yeah, I was – I liked how we ran his routes, catching the ball. I know he had a few drops in the preseason, so to actually see him, like you said, that he had that really nice crossing route where, you know, we actually you know went out and snagged it. You know, and those can be a little tougher because you're kind of running away from the quarterback at that point on the way he was running that route. And Stafford made a nice pass, and he was able to make the catch. Um, so I was very, very, very impressed with how we played. I mean, you're right; he's better than. You know, Eric Ebron, I know Eric Ebron had some decent stats on Sunday, but I'll take Kenny G over Ebron any day of the week. Um, uh, Kennard, yeah, he played, he's probably the best defender we had on the field that day. Um, 
I mean, Ziggy looked okay until he got injured with his shoulder. I mean, stop me if you've heard that before. But uh, his sack, he, I mean, that one play, we saw the replay, they had two guys on him, and he just, like, pushed his way through. You know, both guys just kind of pushed him out of the way to get the sack of Darnold and actually knocked him out of field goal range in the first half, and they were forced to punt. You know, so so I really like that, and it's just one of those things that, you know, just, you know, makes you think. It's just like, if this guy could just stay healthy, what could he be? But, I mean, then when we found out, you know, like, oh, he was off with a shoulder injury, you know, that kind of went out the way. And then, uh, you know, carry on. You know, I mean, he, I think he had, he had a couple nice runs. I mean, a couple of them, he broke a couple tackles, fell forward. He was able to slice through those one, you know, those one-yard holes that the uh, that the offensive line made for him. I realized he didn't get a whole lot of uh, carries, but there was a point where he needed to come out, you know, simply because Theo had to go in because just what the score was at. You know, they obviously needed Theo Riddick's skill set more so than than what Carrion has. Um, but, yeah, those would probably be the positives. Like, really nobody else on defense. I know me and you had talked about Slay. You know, what's it? What no big plays coming his way? Once again, I mean, I don't know if he had his guy on lockdown, but I don't know who was on Quincy and Nunwell. But that guy was like, you know, running around like it was a backyard football game, and like somebody forgot to pick him up. I mean, that guy was just running around everywhere. So, um, and once again on offense, you know, you know Tate, you know, had that nice touchdown to start out the second half, where he does a little shimmy in the end zone. But you know, that's that's pretty minuscule compared to the whole game. Um. Now, like we, like you said, we were talking about dogs on this team, guys that are just like so confident, and either teams either have to fear them or, or game plan for them. You know, like the old time guys, like we always talk, we always bring up Lawrence Taylor having a game plan for that guy on defense. Um, you, you know, do, or, or Reggie White. You, okay, I, you bring you up know, those guys, Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, those guys on defense, <laughs> on offense, you have to game plan for like you know, you know Jerry Rice. You know, you have to game plan for. You know, even even Barry Sanders at some point, even though they, you know, he didn't uh, ever, you know, win a Super Bowl. But right now on this team, I mean, on offense, like dogs. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like you said, everybody has their off games, and I know you you praise Matt Stafford a lot. And I mean, I always hear he's he's the best we've had since you know so and so, you know, since you know Greg Landry back in the seventies, but. It's one of those things I always say. It's just like, yeah, he's he is he's the best we've had since, but we just need him to play better. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that we need. He needs to be that guy that has a lot of weapons around him. So we always seem to be investing in the offensive line where the defense, the offensive line and the offensive skill positions where the defense seems to, you know, play second fiddle. But, I mean, could Stafford be one of those dogs? I mean, I don't know if he's there. I mean, it's his 10th year. I I, I, honestly, I honestly can't tell you if he's one of those dogs. Um, other guys. Well, hold on, go hold ahead. on, Griff. Let, let me redefine it for you because when you ran down your, there's a couple dogs in there and a couple people that are just great football players, and to me, there's a big difference. So, you know, Lawrence Taylor, yeah, he fits. He fits the definition of a dog. You know. Reggie White, even though he was a good guy and like a pseudo pastor or whatever, he was a dog. He was a guy that on Sundays came to play and was going to be physical and was going to like win you football games sometimes, you know, on his shoulders with some of his pastor's moves and just how he played the game. To me, you know, a Jerry Rice, you know, he was a heck of a competitor, but to me he's more of a skilled player 
a very skilled player that, you know, was dominant at his position. Now, when you start going through the Lions roster and talking about it, like, I am not saying we don't have talented guys. We don't have guys that are very skilled and even upper echelon position or across the board on at the skill positions and a few on defense. But if I'm thinking about dogs in the NFL in 2018, I'm thinking about a guy that we played against on Monday Night Football. Jamal Adams, to me, is a dog. You know, uh, when we're looking at uh, guys offensively, like even a guy like we saw on Hard Knocks, Jarvis Landry, in my book now, is a dog. He's a guy that not only competes super hard, but he gets after you, and he okay. is coming to get you no matter okay. what. Like, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to stop you right there. Okay, I mean, you want to – when I think of a dog, your dog – I mean, you're talking – I'm talking a guy who's going to rip your heart out of your chest, and you want to talk about skill. I mean, you've obviously never seen the Jerry Rice workouts and stuff like that. guy was a dog. Okay, you you bring Adams at me. I mean, these are like a rookie, a second year, or something like that. And you're you're giving this guy the status. I mean, you're giving this guy the status. Like you're, you're calling you know something like that. I mean, if you're a dog, man. I mean, you're you're like. You, I mean, you're 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 the alpha male, and you're like you're telling me like all that's, of a sudden that's, like that's the definition of Jamal Adams. You ever seen him both in college? Have you ever read up on him or know anything about him? This guy is him and. Uh, him and Ramsey, in my book, are the two top dogs when it comes to the NFL right now. Okay, I mean, reasonable minds can differ on that, but you're getting <laughs> you're well. That's because I'm obviously not going to talk you out of it, and I'm not. You're not going to talk me into like thinking like, oh my gosh, you're right. I mean, he's you're right. I mean, you bring up Adams, you bring up Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Jarvis Landry had a good year in Miami, and just because a guy goes out there with some attitude. I've seen plenty of players go out there with attitude and are just completely average. I mean, Louis Delmas went out there with like, you know, like all the like all the attitude in the world. Are we going to call him a dog? I mean, I mean, really? I mean, I mean, let's you're talk missing about this, it, man. Really? It's per, it's production and it's and it's intimidation and it's and it's leadership, man. And like, you didn't? Did you watch Hard Knocks, Griska? Yeah. You did? You you see Jarvis getting in people's faces and, and yakking it up, and when he was on the field, even in preseason, going at people every play as hard as he can for the most yeah, part? I, like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, and the production's there. This guy's had 100 catches, like, I don't know, what's it, five, six years in a row? He's led the league once or twice, I think. Like, like he's got production. He's got leadership. He's got ability to step up and say something and, and wants to be physical. Like, to me, those are the categories. It's not just – and I run hills. Like to me, I can I can buy with you that you know Jerry. You could talk me into Jerry Rice being a dog based on his production and some of the other things I know about him. But I don't know that he puts the fear in me when I come on the field. I mean, to me, Matt Stafford's never going to fit the dog category, but he's going to be a good skilled quarterback. I mean, he doesn't what, what have type, what type of that fear are you? you? What what type of fear are you talking? Are you talking like on the other team you have to fear them? Or are you talking like on your own team? Like if you mess up, he's gonna get in your face. What, what are you talking? Think, I'm definitely thinking both there, and I think that the you know the biggest thing is not only does the other team fear you mentally and physically, but you're good enough to go out and and impose your will on them both. You know, in lots of different ways. It doesn't have to be stats. I mean, I guarantee you, Griffith. Let's write it down now. 
Jamal Adams is going to be a top five uh, DB slash safety in the next, you know, handful of years. There's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, I don't know why you'd be down on a guy like that. But all I'm saying, let's get back to the Lions, is like, I don't see anybody on this team. I mean, who's the one I came up with? I think when we're talking, I'm just like, I don't know, maybe Quandre has it in him to have that grit and that ability to be a decent player. But I don't even think he'll produce good enough what we call a dog in the NFL. So I don't know, man. Like, I just don't see anybody here. Like, we always talk about, oh, we want to have good guys. We want to have – we don't want to be in the police blotter. Yeah, but nobody comes to the Ford field or against the Lions and fears us physically. Sometimes they fear us because they're like, man, they might put up points. Or back in the day when we did have some rushers, you know, oh, man, they might be able to get after our quarterback. But nobody comes in here. We don't go to anybody's stadium. They're like, uh-oh, Lions are here. We, we're in for a day. And we got to start getting there. I don't know how, but we got need some more guys that are like that. I'm talking T, T Sizzle, again, was another dog on my list. I mean, he's, he's, he's in the dictionary next to NFL dog. I mean, that guy is a guy that has produced. He's nasty. He's still a good guy off the field. But when people see him lined up, they know what's coming. Okay, I, I see your point. I, I mean, I see your point. I don't think there's really anybody on the lines right here where offensively they got to worry about them defensively. Um, you know, like I'm, what I mean is like the offensive team has to worry about some heavy hitter defensively. And even, you're right, on the offense, there's, I can't really see it either. That's why I said maybe Stafford, but you're right. I can see that as well. Um, but like I said, if you're just going like just guys with bravado shooting their mouth off, you know, and trying to be a leader, you know, leading that game huddle, you know, before the game. I mean, it's like, okay. I mean, I don't know. Maybe just mind your definition of a dog. I mean, is is just a tiny bit different, you know, because, I mean, I've seen, like I said, Lou Delmas had that bravado go out there. He laid the lick on some people, but he was the same guy. If he, uh, he tackled you for a three-yard loss or a 40-yard gain, he was still getting in your face acting like he just won the Super Bowl. So, Right, I mean, and there's plenty of guys like know. that, but I mean, it's 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 a it's a talking, it's backing it up, it's it's being a, a physical NFL presence type of guy rather than just oh, I can make plays in shorts and my t-shirt. You know, we gotta we gotta start getting more players, and they come at all levels. I mean, you can have dogs on your offensive line, you can have a dog on the back end, you can have one off the edge, you can have a receiver. You know, to me. You know, carry on as nice as a guy as he is off the field. Like, from what I've heard of him and what he did in the SEC, I mean, he could be one as far as a guy that down the road can just be, hey, he's a hard guy to tackle. He's a guy that will impose his will on us, and you can give it to him five, 30 times a game, and there's not much you can do about it. You know, hopefully he grows into that player, but he's not there yet. And there's there's just not too many guys that I can even see growing into that role. Like, we're trying to win with skill and finesse. I think it's time to start weeding some of that out, no, no matter what it takes, to get a few more dogs, as we call them, or a few more ball players that can go out and, and physically and mentally even dominate people rather than just skill-wise. That's all okay. I'm saying. Well, well, let's put it this way. Let me pose this question to you because I know a lot of people are, you know, kind of down on, you know, Matt Patricia, you know, saying like, oh, we're just, we, he wants to just bring the Patriot way here. Everything's a Patriot way. And I mean, when you think about the New England Patriots, I guess, 
Are there any dogs on that team? I'm, let's go. Let's put it this way. Let's just say the defense from the from the defensive team he coached. I mean, me and you both watch a lot of football. Is there somebody on that defensive side of the ball in New England that Matt Patricia coached where you're like, yeah, that guy was a dog? You know, like from even last year. I mean, is there somebody that yeah, you really had to definitely. think of? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the first name that jumps to me last year is High Tower in the middle. To me, where he played at. at, at and school, his production, his his grittiness. I mean, he's a dog at the middle linebacker position. I mean, he's just he's a guy you have to deal with. He's a thumper. He's a big guy. He's a guy that um, you know. I don't know if he talks much or if he's a leader verbally, but I mean, guy goes out and produces. You know what I mean? I think Patrick Chung for that team sort of almost fits that role. He's been there almost eight plus years and is always out there. Is always competing. Always. Uh, you know, making plays. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I want to say their other linebackers are. I mean, you, you know, Malcolm Butler gets a bad rap, but like all the reports you read on him before the whole Super Bowl debacle is he's a grinder, man. He's like an undrafted guy that took no crap from anybody and got out there and guarded up whoever he could and became a number one corner. Uh, I'm trying to think if they had any guys on the. Uh, on the Russians. I mean, I don't know the Patriots roster, but I'm saying like, if you go down and look at the Patriots over the last decade, I feel like every year they not only had a couple, uh, you know, across the board at each level of the defense, but let's go to some dogs offensively for the, uh, the Pats back in the day. I mean, Julian Edelman is a freaking pit. He gets after you. He produces, he's, he's a hard worker. He actually will come out and just make it. So, you cannot guard him, and if you can, he's going to be physical. I mean, you know, him and even some of their running backs, obviously they had Garrett Blunt when he was in his dog days. I, again, I don't want to harp on this forever, but I think that the Patriots were grinded hard by their coaching staff. And, yes, I think I can't name them all right now, but I think every few years they've had multiple guys um, that would be fall in that category from a production standpoint and from just a – you know, man, how are we going to deal with that guy today? Both how his production is and just, you know, just the fact of the other team having to, oh, man, I don't want to block that guy. Or, oh, man, that linebacker is going to be all over the field all day, every day, you know. So okay. I, I, I just fine. think that, you know, if Patricia was here today and I asked him that question, he'd probably say he's looking for some – he's out dog – you know, hunting and chopping. He's looking for these guys because I don't think they litter this roster, and I think that's what he wants is he wants competitors, physical guys, but guys that have talent too. I mean, we don't want just a big old bunch of physical players that can't run, can't catch, can't um, make tackles, and can't make plays. But, I mean, if he had his choice, he'd much rather have the gritty physical dog than the skill guy that uh, – you know, isn't gonna isn't gonna show up when when we need him to. So that that's all I'm thinking. And I hope we can we can grow some of those guys, um, in the future. Okay, so I mean, with where this team is, like you said, I mean, after week one, um, I don't, I'm not really asking you, you know, like to preview the the San Francisco game yet, because I know we'll talk about that later, but. I mean, what do you think? I mean, you've been hearing, I mean, I've been reading things, hearing things like, you know, some of the veterans on this team, you know, aren't happy with Matt Patricia, um, might have lost some of the guys. I've heard things like, you know, that team quit, you know, in the second half, like, you know, halfway through the third and the second. I mean, what what do you think Matt Pat needs to do 
here? You know, like now what? What he's thinking? I mean, he's the head coach. He's the guy. I mean, do you think he's thinking now? What do I have to do, or do you think he keeps grinding, or what do you think this team has to do to kind of get everybody back into the fold? Oh man, I was I was hoping you'd ask this question, Grisker. We talk about this, and, and if you if you can, I know I just talked for a little bit and gave that rundown, but give me a little room here. Because I, I need a few minutes okay. to talk to not only the people, but some of these fans out there. And I'd like to hit on these reporters, quote-unquote reporters that are out there. So when you say, now what? Give me some space. I'm about to cut a promo on both okay. these people because okay. I'm, I'm sick of this garbage. Okay, okay? As, long, as long as I get my retort, I would, I would like the same time for retort. So I will let you go. The floor is yours. You can have a retort, but this has nothing to do with you, Grifka. There's nothing to retort about. So okay. anyway, uh, what I'm here to talk about, Grifka, are like since that game happened, me and you walked out of that stadium. We didn't say a word to each other for I don't even know how long. There was nothing to say about that ball game when it was all said and done. What I'm so sick of are these Lions fans, not the Kool-Aid drinkers that are listening to this podcast, but all these other people out there that were so hype. You know, they, they're talking it up in the – off-season, everything's going. And then we have the first game of the year. High five, and after that first play, going nuts. And then the first thing that goes wrong, before I know it, our home fans are booing our team. Then the game goes on. We continue to kind of stumble, like I said, there in the third quarter and look terrible. I'm not here to say they look good or they should have been widely cheered. But I'm so annoyed by people that – Oh, not only is the sky falling, the season's over. Let's get Matt and Patricia doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, he uh, works them too hard. You know, wow, he should have came in and just slapped hands and kissed babies. I mean, I have read so many reports from after the game on Monday till today of these, quote-unquote, as I said, reporters going on these random stories. Oh, I heard from so-and-so. Oh, a uh, source told me that this, that, and the other is happening. Like, this is my two cents, Grifka. I am so sick of any player on the Detroit Lions that's over there whispering to their buddy, their wife, their agent, whoever, oh, I, I don't know if I like this coach. Oh, he's, he worked us a little too hard in training camp. To me, get out. Get out. Because, like, Matt Patricia listens, or he's – if any of that's going on, those guys will be on the first bus as soon as he can get them there, almost no matter who they are on the team. So there's no working you too hard when you're a professional. This isn't the, the NBA where you have six starters and you just throw them out, roll the balls out there, and the best players win. This is football, man. This is a team sport. This is a physical game. Oh, he made me run a lap. Yeah, it's probably because you dropped an easy touchdown pass. Oh, he made me run a lap. Yeah, that's probably because you didn't hustle or didn't block anyone when you were supposed to. Like, if I had my way, go run two laps, by the way, to make up for the ones you should have been doing five years ago. Like, the the Detroit Country Club is over, Grifka. These reporters that just ask the dumbest questions ever and they just want this guy to just glad hand and, and work his way through and make everybody happy. That's why we haven't won anything in two decades, way longer than that. But since I've been a fan over X amount of years, we haven't won a damn thing. And it's because people just come in and they just do whatever they want. Oh, yeah, we kind of work hard. We have a few skilled players. We win six to eight, nine games a year, and that's it. Like, we finally have a guy that came from winning culture, that has a good head on his shoulders, and that has enough brass to tell these guys – Run a lap. Shut your mouth. Oh, I'm not going to, like, talk to you exactly how you want to be talked to. You know why? 
because you don't deserve it at this point. You guys haven't won or done anything. People are pointing the finger at Matt Patricia like, oh, what's he done as a head coach? Well, I don't know. He's got a few rings as a, as a defensive coordinator. What do the, these guys on the Lions have? <clears throat> Basically nothing except a couple of the guys that came in that have won other places. Other than that, there's a bunch of nothing. So, Grifka, I'm here to tell the people that are jumping off the bandwagon or that like the season's over, go find another team because, like – you know, I'm speaking for me, but I hope you're on the same track. I'm not here to to quit on this team. I'm not here to just say, oh, because the first game was terrible, the next 15 are going to be terrible. And I'm just so sick of every report talking about what they heard, what might be, what could be. Like, just look at what happens on the field and, and, and talk or report on that because one game doesn't make a season, doesn't make a coach, doesn't make a – a player. There's players on this team that play terrible that I'm not writing off that it can be better. So I'm sick of it. We're only one game in and I'm sick of the garbage because you got to give this guy a chance. These players need to step up or step out and the fans need to hang in there with their team or like I said, just go somewhere else because yeah, the game was terrible on Sunday and yeah, they had a bad preseason but it's way too early to be making these huge sweeping judgments. So I'm done with it. I'm trying to keep my composure. I've said enough. Um, you know, the time for that garbage is over, Griffith. This is a new regime. And I think those that are strong enough and tough enough and that hang in there are going to look back down the road and say, wow, that's why he did all this. That's why he was so hard on us because he wants to win championships, not just talk about it or not just put it up on a banner somewhere for some slogan. Like he wants to win and win big here. And the players need to do that as well, or we need to go find players that have that grit and are those dogs. And we need fans like that too that don't want mediocrity, don't want, um, you know, uh, you know, even the losing like we had on Monday wasn't good enough, no doubt about it. But, you know, let, let it play out a little bit more before we go crazy. So, like I say, I said my piece, but, um, you know, I, I want the bandwagon fans gone. I want the reporters to do do better, you know what I mean, and uh, and not just – uh, talk about some of the silliness and then I want the the players and the coaches to be better too because uh you know I expect uh this season to turn around come this Sunday and uh and uh like I say it starts today okay good take real good take can't complain with what you're saying you know I agree with a lot of it just uh I think a lot of the people saying the sky's falling simply because of the expectation of who they were playing and uh, everybody was kind of predicting an easy win. We predicted that. A lot of people predicted that. A lot of uh, reporters, sports reporters themselves, thought that would happen. So, but no, I understand what you're saying. You know, got to stick through the team, and uh, you know, we'll wait and see what happens in the next few weeks. I mean, you know, one of those and- things if they start out, you know, like we were talking, it's a very, you know, at this point, it's a very easy possibility they can start at 0 and 5. We can talk about that as the road, you know, as the year goes on, but. You know, I mean, it comes to a point like you're right, man. Maybe some no. fans are. No, hold on. I'm not letting you get away with that, Griff. There's no, like, easy that we could start 0-5. Like, we're 0-1 right now. We have a game on Sunday. Like, if, well, that's let's the put only it this thing way. we're looking well, at let's right Let's put it this now. way. Hey, I gave, I gave you your speak. Let me please have mine. So the way they Don't say Sun- garbage like that. Well, if don't they play the same way, if they play, if they play the next four Sundays, the way they played Monday night, that's a one five, man. Okay, let's let's be. You want to be realistic here? Absolutely. I mean, you, you busted my chops on the last one about not being realistic. That's realistically right there. So easily, they'll never <laughs> win a game if they play like they do again on Monday. They'll never win if they play like that again. 
Well, right. But they have some very stiff competition coming up is what I'm trying to say. Griff, but I mean, they're going to play the San Francisco 49ers. When were they when were they all of a sudden a juggernaut? Hey, I agree with you on that. But if they played the same way Sunday the way they did Monday. Yeah. They got they got the Pats and uh, the Packers I'm looking at that are gonna be tough in those first five. The 49ers and the Cowboys are are nothing more than a coin flip or games that we yeah, they're both on the road, so yeah. that's gonna make them tough. Other than that, none of those Neither of those teams are like, oh, those are automatic losses. Like, that's what I'm talking about, Griff. Here, before we go on, and I know you probably got more to say, but I, we need to talk about what we talked about on the road trip because home about this whole, like you just did. You just bundled up five games into one and said we could be 0-5 without letting them play out. Like, I gave you a big diatribe on the road about, like, to me, every game is its own entity. Just because we got our ass kicked on Monday doesn't mean that, oh, we're going to – we're going to just fold a tent over in San Francisco. And then, oh, because uh, Bill Belichick's coming here, we're just going to just cry like a little baby against the Patriots. Like, each game is its own 60 minutes, is its own ball game, where you were more like that That each one piles on top of each other. And that's what I'm talking about, man. All these fans saying, like, oh, we haven't won in 50 years, so we're not going to win tomorrow. Like, to me, it has no relevance. Like, what happened 30 years ago has no impact on the – on, in September of 2018 on this football team. They could care less what happened 50 years ago or one year ago. It's about this week, or it's about recovering from what happened last week. Just get going and play football again. Like, you know, I'm not bundling up any losses or saying, oh, woe is me. Like, we go out and we play a good 60 minutes in San Francisco and see what happens. Okay. I mean, tell tell the tell the people about you disagreeing and you thinking that there's there's uh, there's momentum and there's things that pile on top and you can't control it. Tell them about that. There's not a matter of you controlling it, but the way I was explaining it to you is that by snowballing, it can like lead to doubt in your head and you you don't try as hard. It's, it's that you're, you're just playing off the string. I mean, you, you hear the stuff like, oh, these teams are playing for pride. You know, late in the season when they're out of it because guys are playing for jobs. You're right, but there's plenty of guys like the superstars. If they're on, they're on a very average to poor teams out of the playoffs. You know, playing for pride. I mean, yeah, they may be playing for pride, but they know they're going to be on the team next year. I mean, that's it's it's one of those things. So yeah, you know so, I mean, go ahead. No, nope, go yeah. ahead. No, go ahead. No, feel free. Yeah, I wanted to cut you off right there because that what you just said to me is the Lions Country Club mentality of, oh, this happened and that happened, and oh, now I don't want to try, and oh, now I'm just collecting my check, then get out. You know what I mean? Like, all those players just that have that kind of attitude or that said, oh, a couple of things went wrong, and now my confidence is shot, and oh, man, now I can't, I don't want to play for this coach anymore. Get out. We'll find somebody else that can play. Like, that's the kind of crap that's been going on here for years, and I'm sick of it. Like, you know, what you should do is when things start going wrong, which I saw on this team a couple of years ago where they where they would man up in the fourth quarter. When bad things would go wrong, they could rebound. Like, that's what I'm looking for, and I think Matt Patricia wants to keep those type of guys around. And the guys that, you know, a couple bad things happens and they can't rebound, he'll weed them out, you know, sooner than later. And that's going to start happening soon with all these people saying, saying stuff behind the scenes. You'll figure out who those guys are, and they won't be around. I don't care what their salary is or how long they've been here because that's the kind of mentality and the kind of, you know, mindset that's got to go. 
But you're right. You only have, but you still only have a shelf life. You only have so many years to turn around. I mean, once again, this team was one game, you know, from the playoffs last year. You have a shelf life. You do. And the old adage is, you can't fire the players. You can fire the coach. So if the whole locker room's against the coach, you want to say, "Get out! Get out! Get out!" I mean, it's a lot easier said than done. This isn't. You know what you like your fantasy football. It's like, well, you know, I'm going to trade away this guy for this guy. I trade. I mean, there's a there's a little more to it than that. So when stuff snowballs, if you lose the team, I mean, there's one guy you got you got to get rid of. You can't fire everybody on the team. Once again, for trades or release, you know, you can release some guy. Okay, he's not going to count much against our cap. We can get rid of this guy. Trades. You need another partner who's willing to take on a huge. You know, if 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 you have a huge contract on the team. And the guy doesn't want to play, and you oh we'll trade him. Everybody's like oh trade him. I mean you listen to so many sports talks things. Just like why don't we just trade this guy for this and this? It's just like why is some other team going to want your garbage? There's only so many teams. All those players talk to each other. They know it's just like well this guy's garbage. We're not going to take this guy. This guy's getting paid bank. Why? It's just easier said than done to do that. And when stuff snowballs, it's like, yeah, you st- oh, you start to lose the confidence. Fine. You know, maybe they do start out 0-3, 0-4, and the team's like, gosh, are we really this good? Well, we're only a quarter into it. You know, we're only so far into it. We're only this far in. But there's a point where the, fa- where the, the, where the, the seesaw goes the other way. It's like we're on the downside. We're out of it now. So you can, I mean, you can sit there and say, oh, get all those guys out of there. Bring, I'm sure there's plenty of guys on the street right now that'd be more than willing to go put on shoulder pads and helmets and pads and go play for the Detroit Lions right now. Every one of those guys who got cut from that team is more than willing to go stand there and play. But are they good? I mean, are they good enough to play? So to say like, you know, well, you know, it's snowballing. I don't want this guy. Go get some guys. Go get this guy's. Who cares? I, I mean, fine. Put, put some shoulder pads and helmet on me. I'm more than willing to go out there and get paid, you know, you know, 100000 a year. It's a, that's a hell of a lot more than what I make right now. I mean, but just to say that, you know, get out because this guy's lost confidence or whatever like that, it's easier said than done. I mean, that's all I'm saying. And when it snowballs, if you're on a team and you start to lose and it snowballs and it goes, you're right. You lost confidence. Then you're, you're chalking in the year, and you're coming back next year. I mean, does does it say that? But like I said, the adage goes, you can't fire all the players. You can fire the coach. So Patricia needs to either reel them back in or maybe get rid of the – like if there's a couple malcontents leading the charge, fine, get rid of those guys. But you can't get rid of everybody. That's all I'm trying to say on that. And if, if the confidence starts to go in the coach, you can lose a team pretty fast. And if that if that's the case, hey, your favorite player of all time didn't like you know his head coach. Who comes in? Phil Jackson. I mean, they didn't like you know Collins. Michael Jordan didn't like Collins. Oh, who's gone? LeBron James didn't like Mike Brown. Where'd he go? Oh, he's out the door. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can't fire the players. You can fire the coach. That's all there is to it. So you you want to say just go get rid of those guys? Hey, easier said than done. We'll see. We could talk about this for days, but, uh, you know, I say get out. I'm not thinking that there's 40 guys that need to get out. I'm thinking there's some that need to be gone and some guys that I don't think there's any, you know, there's not many monster contracts and not many sacred cows in this team that, you know, can't be let go of. I mean, there's other teams with a lot of stones in the NFL let people go that, that we would think is an all pro or an all world guy, you know, and they just say, oh, I'm done with you or you can't play anymore. Or, we don't like your attitude and they just get rid of them. So like to me, 
you know, when I say get out or they're gone, like I'm saying this year is a year of evaluation and a year of figuring out who doesn't. And from all the reports I've seen, there's some, there's some gutless cowards on this team and some people that, you know, are just whining and crying like about, Oh, a boss came in. That's not my friend. You know, to me, as long as in the long run, the boss like makes the company better and he, uh, you know, raises the bottom line and gets you where the company or the team needs to go, then, you know, that would be a good hire at the end of the day. Not, oh, we don't like the boss, get rid of him so we can have, you know, the old boss back that didn't produce, but that was our best buddy and that we could go have, you know, uh, a brunch with. Like, to me, that's what we're getting into right now is that, you know, a new person came in instead of just, I heard somebody today, on, I think it was on the radio, was saying, oh, you, you don't want to come in too hot. Like, Grifka, is it just me? And again, we got a couple more things to talk about, and then we'll shut this one down and then talk about the San Francisco 49ers on the next show. But I need to know, like, is it just me or hasn't it been years where people are saying, you know what the Lions need? Is somebody to come in here, have some toughness, have some grit, teach this team how to be physical and play good football. And then we get that, and everybody's like, oh, no, you should have came in and, and been nice and just observed for a while. How long is Matt Patricia supposed to come in here and observe? It probably took him 10 minutes to come in and go, all right, we got some good players, but we got a bunch of wimps on this team. I'm going to run them. I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to not hurt them. I'm going to push them in camp, and then I'm going to teach them a new scheme that I know actually works. And I'm going to hope that our quarterback leads the charge offensively and, and mans up and like wins us ball games. I mean, that's, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. So once he figured that out, he wasn't like, Oh, I'll tell them that in in eight months from now when it's game 12, he just started it from day one and everybody hates it because, you know, they wanted him to just come in and sleep for the first half of the season. So they could just, as you said, collect a check or, or still have the cozy atmosphere they had last year. Well, that wasn't good enough. And that's been the word from the get-go. So, like you say, we could talk all day. I agree with your point, yeah. You can't fire all the players, but you can fire the coach. But I, my point is you can get rid of and dispose of the players that are an issue and get players in here that will back this coach and that will support what he's doing and then um, also can play the game better than the whining babies that are both complaining and don't want to be here. And that's what I hope happens over the next year or so. Yeah. So well, once, it, like once said, again, he has fans, he has a shelf life though. I mean, he's got a he's got a shelf. He's been here for one game. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is just like <laughs> what I'm saying is he, he doesn't need to go out and you know win the Super Bowl this year. That's I mean it'd be great, but what I'm saying is like if me and you had this discussion, we've had it on here. You know, if this team goes you know four and twelve, you know, it's like okay, they make a couple of moves, get rid of those malcontents. You know, it's like you think, oh, you, you hear the rumors, you read the stuff. It's just like, well, this guy was one of the malcontents. This guy was. So they bring in a couple of his guys. They better not be 5-11 and 11 the next year. And I'm not saying they need to go 12-4, and four, but they need to show remarkable improvement. Because if they go 5-11, and 4-12 and 12 the next year, okay, third year, you're on a very short leash. Because once again, right. I mean, so that. Of course. So I, I understand what you're saying. But once again, I, I realize – Patricia came from the Patriots. Bob Quinn came from the Patriots. But once again, he has a shelf life. So they, they, 
he, you know, in his second year, I mean, if they go five and 11 this year, they need to show some remarkable improvement the next year, you know, or if like people, you know, it'll be really start to wonder again, you know, so you're right. Let's, let's, yeah, well, that, well, that's fine. Like I said, the last thing I want to say on it is that what you just gave are actual numbers or I don't know if they're predictions or what, but those are physical numbers where you're giving me a 30 some game sample size to judge this guy on and to judge this team on. And I'm fine with that. Like by year two, you know, I'll totally be able to give you a full review of what I've seen, what I thought would happen, what really happened, who Matt Patricia really is, what players were were good, weren't. But I'm giving you a projection right now of what I think is going to happen. And I'm telling people to shut the hell up that he's been here one game. He's been here, what, on the job, maybe five months, if that, like since his first day. And he's played one regular season football game and four, who cares, preseason games. And people already have their minds made up. And to me, it's not only way too soon, way unfair. And and even it goes right to those players in that locker room. Like, if you're judging this guy after this small of a sample size, like, come on, man. That's just that's just ridiculous on all types of levels and any facet of life. And uh, like I say, I, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. But like I say, I told the, the bandwagon fans to go somewhere else, the reporters to just shut up. And I uh, had to get that off my chest. So we'll we'll see where it goes. But uh, like I say, I'm uh, I'm taking it one game at a time. I'm not talking about game five right now. I'm not talking about two years from now. I'm talking about San Fran. So uh, coming up, we're talking about the uh, Giants or the Jets game, unfortunately, right now. So um, Grifka, with that being said, can we get to some questions uh, and actually get off? Well, before we do that, let's let's tie a bow on this game of just. It happened. We we don't need to say much about the late third and fourth quarter. We just absolutely got blown out. You know, there were return punts. There were 60-yard runs by, you know, low-tier running backs. There was all types of issues across the board. You know, what are your expectations for how they're going to change it and move forward before we close this one, put it in the books, and get on to some fun questions and get out of here? I believe the team is going to make some necessary adjustments especially the offensive side of the ball. Um, Stafford, I think, is going to actually be a little more careful with it. I don't know. I hope that doesn't just lead to him being a check down Charlie, you know, just so he doesn't have to worry about throwing interceptions. One thing I always kind of liked about Stafford is he had that gunslinger mentality and you got to take the good with the bad. But I feel they're going to have to, like, change a little bit on the offense there. Um, Defense-wise, I think uh, they're going to have to really rally around to um you know come up with a uh you know learn learn the scheme i mean ricky gene you know i know we talked about it before him uh saying you know having to you know stay late to put the extra work and do your assignment that he admits on crowell's touchdown run that he jumped out of his own gap he went totally against what he was preaching before so that's one of those things like you know me and you had talked about it you know do your job let the let the next man worry about his job because once you start worrying about doing your job and that guy's job, you're leaving a hole somewhere and you're leaving somebody hanging out to dry, which tends to lead to something bad happening. So that's one thing. I mean, if Ricky Jean's going to preach it, he was one of the few guys after the game that wants to talk to somebody. That's what this team needs to do. I mean, Patricia's got to get it in, you know, Paul Pasqualoni, Matt Patricia, they need to get in their head, do your job. Let the next guy worry about the, his job. Same on offense, Jim Bob, you know, he's got to, He's got to maybe change some things up. I mean, if the Jets, you know, maybe their guys were that smart to get that much, you know, video and, you know, 
break down the hand signals, know what's coming. They're calling out the plays as they're lining it up. And, you know, that's one of those things like, hey, man, maybe you got to just, you know, you know, tweak it a little bit, not make it so obvious, know the game plan. So I think those 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 changes are going to have to be made. And I, I feel they're going to do those before uh, the uh, 49ers game. Yeah, good stuff. You hit a lot of good stuff there, Griff. For me, uh, you know, I'm going to probably be saying this on a lot of our podcasts here moving forward. Like, you know, I'm looking at San Francisco. I know that a certain guy on this show that isn't me says that you can't go on the West Coast, um, long road trip and win. To me, it all comes down to number nine. Like, Matt Stafford, to me, played the worst game of his life. He's too smart for that. He's too good of a passer. He's too good of a, you know, he's been in the league too long to make some of the kind of vision and rookie um, mistakes, not reading defenses the way he did. So, you know, I think it all starts with him. You know, I know we want a gritty, nasty defense, but I think the NFL is so built around how your quarterback plays each week that I think he has to come out, and I'm projecting that he will come out in San Francisco play a lot tighter game meaning you know you're not going to see those terrible mistakes now will he turn the ball over once or twice it could happen but I'm expecting a much cleaner game and in order to win it I think you're going to see a dynamic game by this guy where he he's throwing the ball deep he's putting it on receivers so they can run after the catch like I said he's showing a much better pocket presence when the rush does come because um, we'll talk about it, but San Fran had, does have some rushers. So my expectations is nine is way better. And if Ziggy is back and him and Kennard can get going, I would like to see them set the tone on defense as far as getting after the passer, but also just, you know, making the defense a defense that is able to, you know, hurry some throws, maybe get some sacks and get the ball out. Because if that doesn't happen, I mean, as good as some of our back-end guys are, I don't know if they can hold up. So I think expectations are just quarterback needs and will play much better. And the defense will continue to um, – can't play any worse, let's put it that way, than they did against the Jets in a lot of areas. So I think they will uh, get better. And uh, hopefully if they cause some turnovers, I don't see any reason we're not – both in that football game and then hopefully uh, making big strides. Um, almost like I'm, I'm thinking expectations, Grifka, in a real world, is that if they play the way I hope and think they will out there on the West Coast, regardless of win-loss, like, you know, we won't be talking about some of the stuff we're talking about now because it's just such a debacle at, in on Monday night that it's a rarity more so than the norm. So I think they'll get back to the norm. Uh, coming up here um this game we're moving forward so um like i say we'll break that game down everybody that's listening to this usually we do one podcast we're kind of breaking down the previous game and then we come back to you a day or two later previewing the next game and giving you all the ins and outs about that one so with that being said grifka how about some questions are you down um how about this man remember at the tailgate remember what happened at the tailgate that we had a, a bunch of fun with. Remember that? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You, you remember? You remember? Uh, remember? Little Tim. Little Tim showed up. <laughs> Little Tim showed up. Showed Let up. Me... To, showed up at the uh, at the uh, hot dog roast looking for some Kool Aid. Remember that? What, what was his, what was the rap? What was his rap again? 
Now, how could I forget it, Griff? Well, let me break it down for the people. So we're sitting there. We got the grill going. We're yucking it up about football. People are walking by. We're handing out the Kool-Aid and the promo stuff. And my man comes by the tailgate. And this dude, Grifka, he couldn't have been, what, five foot six, something like that. You know, maybe five yeah. eight on a good day. My man was rocking the Quad X jacket. This jacket went down to about his ankles. You know, somehow the sleeves fit. I don't know how that works out. But this thing was like the biggest jacket of all time. And I don't know why. He comes up and he just starts talking noise. starts like saying all this different stuff to me. And then all of a sudden he's like, He's like, you a rapper? And I'm like, I'm like, do I look like a rapper? And he's like, he's like, can you freestyle? I'm like, I, I don't have any bars, bro. Uh, you know, I, I can't do that. And I'm like, you? I'm like, you got anything for me? And he's like, starts saying, oh, yeah, man, I'm a rapper. I'm this, that. And we're just thinking, oh, boy, yeah, okay. All of a sudden, I, I tell this guy to drop some bar, drop some, drop some rhymes on us, right? So Lil Tim, as you dubbed him. I didn't dub man, That's what he said his name was. Oh really? Yeah, he's like, oh, I, I missed the name. Tim, did you? How, how could oh. you not hear that? You had to get his rap name in there. I didn't know. I mean, little Tim. With I was just too focused on the not so little jacket that this guy had on. I never seen anything like it. But he was a character. Let's put it that way. So the long and the short of it, Grifka, is you're sitting there and I'm having fun with this dude as I do with most people that come by the tailgate. All of a sudden, I tell him rap. So he starts flowing, and like the first few, like stanzas versus whatever you want to call them like they're pretty good but he's just he's just going with it right but then he gets to the hook Grifka. he gets to the chorus and and it knocked me down like uh like like matt stafford on third down once we got in the ball game because this dude hits this chorus that uh i don't even know if i can replicate it for the people Grifka, but um it, it went something like this. I get in. I get out. <laughs> and then it had this whole other thing to it that was incredible. I can't even. But he would like hit that and then you hit like another set of verses. And then he would get in <laughs> and get out. Yeah. And uh, it was incredible. By like, by like, what, two or three minutes in, you wanted him to just go away. And I just couldn't get enough. I told him to keep going. He started dropping some good verses then, but all I was waiting for was the chorus because I wanted him to get in <laughs> and get out <laughs> because it was hilarious. So uh, that that was a little tin, and, man, it, it was incredible, man. That was, a, that was a top five, top ten moment at tailgate, I got to say. So, yeah, I mean, how about uh... – Instead of doing those, instead of doing the long questions on this one, maybe we can uh, maybe we can save those for the next podcast when we talk about San Francisco. How about uh, we do a little get in, get out, not a little Tim for this man? Just some little quick hitters here. How, how about we do oh, that? I'm down. Okay, okay. Um, I'll give you the first one, and then uh, we bounce back and forth. Uh, we'll do do a few here. I'll give you a couple. You give me a couple. How about we do that? All right, but. You're throwing this at me. Let me let me see if I understand you. So, like, you're going to throw me kind of a question or a statement, and I got two choices with that statement, and I got to give it to you as only little Tim would. So, like, if if you give me the uh, the thing, I got choice A. So, if, if I get you... in, <laughs> and choice B, which is get out. <laughs> exactly. But just is a quick right? hitter, just a quick hitter on why you feel that way. You know, okay, just just okay. like something something really. You know, if I'm saying, you know, uh, you know, you know, M and M's, 
and you know, yeah. or I'm saying, you know, peanut M and M's. You're gonna go get in because I love peanut M and M's. I mean, that's all there's to it. So okay. something like that. You know, we'll do a couple. You throw me, and I'll do my best to replicate your new, uh, you know, you know, since you're producing for him now, you have to go to the booth after that we're done with this. So oh, I okay. wanted to sign the guy, no doubt about it. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a legend one day. It's gonna be a hit single. Right. So uh, how about uh, we'll start with you? How about uh, how do you feel about uh, Matt Pat's coaching style? Matt Pat's coaching style. I get in. <laughs> no doubt, man. I already hit on it a lot, man. This guy is gonna win us ball games. He's tough, but he knows what he's doing, and uh, I like it a lot. Okay. How about uh, you throw me one now, and then we'll go back to you, and then back forth. Oh man, put me on the spot. Let me see here. Um, about keeping Ziggy past the. Oh, yeah, really? I don't even think I have to think about this one. Hey, Ziggy, get out! <laughs> That's like, you, are, you are the new China doll, man. You are the paper lion of this team. I mean, like I said, you had, you, had a nice, uh, you had a nice sack, but then all of a sudden you're hurt again. I mean, uh, can't pay some guy big bucks who, uh, who can't stay on the field. So, you know, so, yeah, it's nice okay. knowing you. Get out! Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, um. Um, back to you. Uh, I mean, we're talking guys keeping on this year. What do you think about uh, re-signing Golden Tate? Re-signing GT. Well, this one goes out to the Big Hughes, who has uh, been on this podcast and kind of helped to get this whole thing off the ground. And to Hughes, I know he wants them to get in. But Hughes, I'm going to get out <laughs> on Golden Tate because uh, I don't know. I mean, he even showed some stuff again on Monday, but – what I saw from Kenny and others, I just think he got to get out with the price tag and with his age and with a few other things. So, um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the contrary move where most people would probably go the other way. So, Griff, could do I get one more here? Yeah, shoot me one more. No, no, no fair to me giving you know you getting two and me only getting one. So, <laughs> okay, you got to bring it this time. It, like summons the uh, the little Tim in you. Well, right if that's here. the case, Come I on. need to I need to go to the store and get me some Labatt Blue because that's what he was drinking. I don't know if you noticed that in his hand too. He was shaking <laughs> that can and when he cracked it, it went all over the place like a champagne. He was rapping so hard with that thing. <laughs> he went and drank it in, <laughs> and then he passed out. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, man, I I didn't I couldn't tell anything other than the chorus he was saying, which is incredible. So Grifka, I thought about it for here for a second. My final one to you is two words. I, we'll just put it this way: the current defense. The current defense. How would I like them? I would like them to get in. <laughs> but how do I actually see them? I see them to get out. They have to. Uh, they they really need to. Uh, they, they need to change a couple things up because right now they can't stop the run and they got to work out that pass defense. They just they just didn't look that good and Jared Davis still struggling with pass coverage. So right now, I mean, I, I the defense are playing right now. They got some work to do. If not, they can just get out. <laughs> oh man, Grifka. I mean, you kind of you because of the story and just in general, we. We kind of pulled that out of nowhere, but I think that has to probably be a reoccurring segment at some points during the year because that that song at the tailgate by Lil Tim is going to live in infamy forever. I wish I could do it even more justice, but like I say, the people just need to latch onto that chorus because uh, it was in, it was incredible and like it's just so fun to do. So hopefully the people out there will have some fun with that. But with that being said, Grifka, 
Um, we've been here at the podcast a while. We broke down this game. We were really, it's a tough game to talk about, but uh, we did our best. Um, you know, it's a loss, terrible game, all that kind of stuff. But now I think it's most important to get out <laughs> of, of this episode and uh, just tell the people that, uh, again, we thank everybody that showed up at the tailgate. You know, we were super hyped. We wish this game would have went differently. It obviously did not. It's one football game, you know, out of a season. We got a big uh, game, San Francisco heading out west, all that type of stuff. So um, we just encourage everybody to rate and review, subscribe to the podcast. Please share this with a friend. You know, again, we're just going by, flying by the seat of our pants, having fun. But we're going to be talking football all year long here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. And uh, Grifka, what else you got? You got anything else before we get up out of here? No, uh, let's uh, hopefully a better week too. That's all I got to say. Okay, perfect. And uh, like you say, uh, everybody be on the lookout. We're going to definitely be bringing you a preview of that San Francisco game. We'll break down the names, the players, the statuses of some of our injured guys and give you that whole breakdown. So for me and for Grifka, we're going to get out of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. And uh, like I say, we'll be looking for you guys coming up here soon and a much better game this Sunday. Everybody, take care. Have a great week. We're out. Drink it in, man.